Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, a fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future. You can give Hector a call. He's a local guy at 940-453-3490. Also, of course... Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 175, asking simply, that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. As you will be on this version, we've got Ed Werder. We've got Todd Archer. We're going to talk Cowboys and Saints. Believe it or not, it's another game already here for Thursday night football. But before we get into any of that, let's tell you about Hector. Hector Flores. Hector, who will tell you, if you want to know about savings, and this is something that I feel like a lot of people struggle with, Hector will tell you that everybody should have a $1,000 emergency fund in case of all kinds of different unexpected bills and blown out tires, all kinds of stuff. Beyond the $1,000 emergency fund, people need to start working on six months worth of savings minimum in case of job loss, investment opportunities, all sorts of things. And it's an easy concept, but as Hector will tell you, it can be hard to get started. One, because you don't have a budget. And two, you can save, but keeping it in savings is the issue. This is where Hector comes in. He has a proven strategy that will help you reduce and eliminate your debt and start saving today. Hey, man, you know, a lot of what Hector preaches, man, is time. And uh, I got to tell you, everything he talks about, I believe in 100%. Um, you know, what's what's interesting is, I, you know, I've talked to my daughter who's in her 30s now about this same stuff over the years. Like, you got to have a life fund for when life intervenes so that you can still pay your rent. Um, but I tell everybody, they should go talk to somebody like Hector, man, and really get a feel for how you should divide your money and how you should live your life and set your savings up so that you don't get caught slipping. And, you know, with this pandemic, a lot of people got caught slipping, man. Hector is a guy who can give you a pathway so that you don't get caught slipping. Make a call today and let him get you on that path. 940-453-3490. It's Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. 940-453-3490. Also, of course, Robert Greening. Have you called him? Have you needed to? 
the attorneys and his green team at Greening Law, if you've been hurt in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractice, if you have been injured on the premises of a business, all these are situations in which Robert Greening and his green team can help you. They will be your legal competitor against those insurance companies that you don't want to have to mess with. Let them do that for you. Dude. And in addition to that, they were just uh, awarded the Law Firm 500 Award to uh, the 500 fastest growing law firms in the country. And what that means is they're taking care of business. See, it doesn't cost anything to pick up the phone, give Greening Law and the Green Team a call and say, hey, here's my situation, here's my circumstance, what do you guys think, can you help me? If they can help you, man, they bring you on as a client. What I love about them, they don't get paid unless you get paid, so they are motivated to do the best job possible for you. And so it ends up being a win-win for everybody. Indeed it does. So give them a call. What are you waiting for? The consultation is absolutely free. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, call now, offices, Dallas, Texas. So as we turn our attentions to the Dallas Cowboys, they've lost three out of the last four. The sky is falling. This team isn't any good. They're mediocre. It's just exactly what you would expect. I, I, I'm, it's countless, nonstop, all week on Twitter, on social media. People have lost their belief in this team. And perhaps in some senses, rightfully so. But the reality of it is, here we are. It's Thursday night. It's in the Dome. It's the New Orleans Saints, a team that has lost four games in a row with the Cowboys an opportunity to get back. They, they, to me, you just I don't care. Just win. Win the damn game. It's about playing good football, man. They haven't played good football. You play good football, you win. They haven't played good football. They haven't played a complete game. Uh, their offense was shady early, great late. Their defense was I uh, early and awful late. They got to play complete football, man. Um, everybody's got injuries. Everybody's got some COVID problems. Nobody really cares. Uh, they got to figure out a way to get together and win it. And, um, you know, the Saints don't give up nothing on the ground, man. Once 100, Two 100-yard rushers in the last 71 games that both occurred in the same game with Philadelphia. Miles Simon and uh, Jalen Hurts both getting over 100 last year. Um, so they're going to have to win the game in the passing department, but they got to run enough, man, to keep the Saints honest. Yeah, um, well, perhaps that fits exactly what the Cowboys need because they don't run the football recently anyway. This whole thing with Zeke is really interesting to me because it sounds like he's legit got a problem with the knee, but he keeps fighting through it enough so that he's practicing. And then you hear all these stories coming out. Well, maybe he's going to sit. Maybe they need to rest him for a week. And yet here he is. And then they put him out in the game and, and he's just not effective anymore. Well, this is all I'm going to say about this. And I don't have any inside information on this. You know, Dak was going to play after his calf. Man, oh, yeah, he's playing, he's playing, he's playing. Nah, he didn't play. And then, uh, you know, C.D. Lamb, oh, it looks like he's going through protocol just right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he didn't play. Maybe they're running the same ploy with Zeke, man, because Jerry Jones is like, oh, no, he's getting a big load this week, big load against the Saints. Maybe that's just set up to sit him down. Or I don't know if you make him inactive, but you really reduce his role. Like, if you think about last week, man, they talked about Tony probably getting 25 touches. Yeah, yeah, a lot more, yeah. Yeah, he ended up with like 14, and he played 16 fewer snaps than Zeke. Um, you know, maybe they go into this week saying, look, for this week, Tony's the lead guy. Zeke, we're playing you the backup role. 
um, just so you can give him a rest, uh, you know, and get a couple of weeks off and see if that will help him get back to normal. Because to me, man, there's a lot of different numbers you can run with Zeke, the yards per carry. Yeah, I understand that. Yards after contact, I get that. Just total yards, I get that. But to me, man, he had 16 runs of uh, 10 yards or more in the first five weeks of the season. That was uh, tied for second in the league, I believe, behind Derrick Henry. He's had two in the last five games, both of those during the blowout loss to Denver. So that's four games out of five where he hadn't even had a run of 10 yards or more. That ain't the Zeke Elliott we've seen much of his career. No, it isn't at all. And, and this is another interesting game because if that's the case – and Zeke is reduced. We don't know, and, and we won't know until many of you are listening to this on, on Wednesday, December 1st, whether or not Amari Cooper will be able to play or he will miss a third consecutive game, which, by the way, you know, I, I, I've, I've been a big look. You don't want to get the vaccine. Don't get the vaccine, whatever. The problem becomes when you are in a team scenario like this in which you are now running the risk that if they lose Thursday night and he doesn't play – you point at that and go, okay, well, you decided not to get the vaccine, and it might have cost your team three wins. Well, I would say like this. If you if you got the vaccination, well, I mean, you could say three wins because he wouldn't even been tested so that he could have been uh, put in the protocol had he been vaccinated. Right. Hey, man, these are all individual choices that people make. And so you, when you make that, dog, it's all good. You can make your individual choice, but you got to deal out with the fallout and the bullshit from it. And uh, there might be a lot because Jerry Jones seems kind of perturbed that he's dealing with this. Yeah, because it becomes one of those things like a lot of us work for businesses where they've mandated it. And, and hey, and, and I've always, well, and then people come out, that's not fair. And it never bothered me. I was like, look, if unless you own the business, it is fair because the business owner can do whatever they want. And obviously the way that this works in the NFL, the collective bargaining and all of this, this is a system that they agreed to. But anytime something like this happens and it ends up hurting all these other people for the common goal that you were going together with. I, I would imagine there's guys in the locker room that will look at him differently because of this. I think it's, um, I think it's guys who are just like, damn, dog. I mean, look at, you know, the, here's my big thing. And, you know, maybe I'm crazy. And I'm not interested in going down the whole vaccine rabbit hole. No, not at all. Just, but yeah. but the, the, the reality is guys who are professional athletes like Amari, they put a thousand things in their body all the time that they have no idea what it is. I know. That's my thought. You know, starting with the painkillers, the Toradol that they use. One, you have no idea what's really in Toradol. And two, we all know that the long-term effects of Toradol and painkillers are that it messes up your kidneys down the road. So what I'm saying is if you take the vaccine, there hasn't been but a handful of people who have had an adverse effect to it, you know, since people have been taking it. Um, now, if you don't want to get the boosters, that's fine. I ain't got a big problem with that, man. But the, just the original vaccine, man, the whole thing it's designed to do is if you get it, make it so that it's not debilitating to you. Yeah, that's like, like, like it's weird to me that people think it was because it prevents COVID. Like, it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. You can still get it. I, I've never understood why people don't get that. But anyway, you're right. And, and, and I think that in this scenario... I don't know. If he misses a third game, I think it's fair where you have to look at that. And, and maybe it doesn't matter in the end. The Cowboys go on and they win and they do great things. Or maybe you point at it and go, you know, you, you might have had the one seed. If, if Who knows? All you know is what's been presented to you. It's, it's just one of those situations. The other thing that we may see on Thursday is the return of Demarcus Lawrence, who played, what, one game this season before he went down? Yeah. I am uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. He needs to have a big year, man. 
he hasn't really played to his pedigree since he got paid. Now, let me stop y'all. Like, I don't, I never believe cats, oh, he got paid, now they relax. No, I don't believe any of that. And I think a lot of it's circumstance and happenstance or whatever. But the bottom line is he's not produced at the level he did before he got paid. They need him to produce at that level, especially with Randy Gregory out, and be a real difference maker. Yes, yeah, your first game back. Who cares? Go play and make plays. To me, I look at it, since you got paid in the last three seasons, there have been a possibility of 43 football games that he could have played in. Now, he has missed 10 already this year, and he missed a game last year. And in those 43 possible football games, he has 11 and a half total sacks. That's just not going to happen. For the amount of money that he's making, and I will be curious to see how they decide to handle some of these contract situations, like the Amari Cooper thing. I wonder if this is something that pissed Jerry off enough where they're just going to be like, okay, well, we're not paying you $20 million again. And the tank thing at the end of the year, you know, if he comes back and balls out, I think you're going to bring him back because the difference in, in cap hit next year in, in dead cap is $8 million. You'd save $8 million by walking away from tank. But it's tough, man. You had to pay the guy when he was on the market, coming off the seasons that he had had. And then you look at it ever since then, in retrospect, you're like, well, we could have let you walk and wouldn't even notice you weren't here. <laughs> that, but yeah. we didn't know at the time. We had no idea. No. And so, uh, you know, now it is what it is. Um, but Tank needs to have a big game and a big last, uh, you know, four or five games this season, hopefully a, a long playoff run. And then, and then um, he'll pair him up with Randy Gregory and see what he can really do with a beast on the other side of him and see if those two guys can really create some havoc. We'll see. I, hopefully we get an opportunity to see all of this because as you go through this again, it's just every week it's something else. This whole thing with McCarthy now and how this is going to affect the game plan. I don't know that it matters that he won't be there. Maybe they'll they'll use their timeouts better and their challenges better. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what to expect with Dan Quinn down on the sideline for one game. All I know, they have to win this game. They have, they have to beat the Saints. You cannot lose to the Saints and open this division because this, the, Washington's nipping at their heels. And this was a division that you should have put away by now. And because of what's happening, Washington's won three in a row while the Cowboys have lost three out of four. This is a lot closer than it should be. And they've just got to survive, but you can't survive if you continue to lose. And, and I get you got to get through all these guys are banged up and you're out for COVID and you, you have some injuries. But at some point, you got to at least skirt through this with a 500 record. And they're below that right now in the last few weeks. Yeah, they just need to play good football, man. Do that, everything else will fall in line. The problem is they haven't done that. They haven't, and, and neither have the Saints. The, the Saints haven't played good football. And, you know, they had to deal with their own injuries where they didn't have Kamara and they didn't have Ingram, and they're both supposed to be back on Thursday night. And now it sounds like Sean Payton doesn't know if he wants to leave Simeon in or, or roll Taysom Hill out there. So it, we know that the, the Superdome is loud. It's always a tough place to play. But this is a game the Cowboys are better than the Saints. They should win. They were better than the Raiders. They played like crap for most of the game. I honestly don't know what version of the Cowboys roll into the Superdome on Thursday night, but I have to believe that this team is better than what the Saints have shown us over the last month. And I'm not ready to give up yet, so I'm picking the Cowboys to win. What's your score? I think the Cowboys are going to win this game 31-24. All right, I think, the, um, I think the Cowboys are the better team. I think they'll finally play like it. 
I don't uh, I don't believe in Taysom Hill. Never have. He's a gimmick guy, niche guy, or a niche guy, whatever you prefer or prefer. Um, <laughs> I think the Cowboys hand open the envelope or envelope uh, and win it uh, after eating a sandwich with a tomato or a tomato. You know, I think this, I, I don't think they'll score as many points, man. I think they're still struggling. I look at it more like a uh, 24-20 ball game. A close one on Thursday night. Just get the damn win. I don't care if they win this game and it's 9-6 to six and all it is is field goals. Just win. <laughs> get a win and then go on your mini bye week and we'll reassess where we are when they roll in against Washington 10 days on, on December 12th, that next Sunday game. You, you just you got to get the win. You got to get to the eight wins. They need to be eight and four after this game. I don't care how. I don't, I don't care if it's because Taysom Hill accidentally ran out of the back of the end zone and gave the Cowboys a safety to win the game. I don't care. Just win. <laughs> Just win, baby. Whatever it takes. I'm serious. That's whatever it takes is what has to happen. All right, before we take this trip around the block, let's tell you about a couple of our sponsors. We have, of course, as always, the greatness of Freeway Tire Shop. How great are they? So great. That Jacques has taken every single one of his cars to be worked there by JR and his crew multiple times because it's a mechanic who stands behind his work and a mechanic you can trust to do what's supposed to get done. Dude, let me tell you about JR, man. And, and this is why I tell y'all, we don't be making this stuff up, man. My Challenger, 2012, 2013 Challenger that my dude drives because he stole it from his mother. Needed a new engine, had a lot of problems. JR said, hey, it just needs a new engine. He says, um, it's probably going to cost you about 6 We'll see. He calls me back, man. This was during the summer. He says, hey, I can get a guy to give you an engine. It'll be a lot less than you thought. And um, lo and behold, man, here's the deal. Dropped the car off yesterday. Surprised my son in terms of he didn't know it was ready already. He had a big smile, and he never smiles. <laughs> Came in about five or $600 less than JR told us it was going to be. And it's a brand new engine, not a rebuilt engine. It's a brand new engine with no miles on it. The body of the car is fine. So this basically means my dude's got a brand new car for about 5000 or so bucks. Um, and he can ride it all through college and, and all that other thing. But the main thing is JR said, don't put any more money into this engine. This thing's a dud. Let me see if I can find you a brand new engine at a good price. And then he delivered on all that and then delivered the car. And he said it would take about six or seven weeks for it, the whole process to go through. Once they, once they changed the car, man, it took about six weeks. Wow. That's why I tell y'all, it's the trust factor, man. It's not, ain't nobody interested in spending almost 6K on a car, on an engine. But if you got to do it, at least you're going to do it with somebody who you know is going to stand behind his work. And that's JR. There it is. That's Freeway Tire Shop. Schedule your appointment. Request a quote online at freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, a bruised biltong. Jacques and I were talking about that right before we started <laughs> recording the podcast because you were eating some of bruised biltong. What did, what did I tell you, bro? I go, um, I've been busy all day. And so I literally stopped working and doing what I was doing for the first time today, right before the show. And I told Matt, yo, I got to get about two handfuls of this sliced biltong and some, uh, some sparkling water before the show. I said, let me get this down and I'll be good. Why? Because it's high in protein, about 30 grams on the two-ounce bag. It's got low carbs. It's got no sugar. And for me, it's very filling. And so I'm good while we do this podcast, bro. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, if you have not tried 
the bruise biltong you need to try bruise biltong it's b-r-u-s-b-i-l-t-o-n-g it's like beef jerky but it isn't it's a traditional south african air-dried meat Jacques and I both love it. I mean, I've gone through multiple packages of it. I love that it is no sugar, no artificial ingredients. It's very healthy and it's super high in protein, which I love. I eat it all the time myself. It's Bruise Biltong. You can go to the website, bruisebiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15, J-A-M-15. Get 15% off your order at checkout at bruisebiltong.com. So let's take this quick trip around the block, because as we know, most of you are listening to this on December 1st. We have made it to the final month of the year, Christmas, 25 days away or less, right. depending on when you listen to this. I mean, it's here. I, I, I got to get our tree up and, and get all the decoration down and do all that. But Grapevine, which is known as the Christmas capital of Texas. Grapevine has enlisted a fleet of 160 drones for what they are calling the Merry and Bright Christmas Drone Show that'll be happening on Saturday, December 11th, and then again on Saturday, December 18th. And it says that it'll give them the opportunity because it'll last. (laughs) This is so crazy. So you can reserve a seat for $25 or I guess you can try to get close enough to where you can see it. The show will last nine minutes. Wow. That doesn't <laughs> seem like a lot, but apparently because they're drones, like they'll be able to to program them to do like, I don't know. It doesn't say, but I've seen something like this before. Like they can do like the face of Santa or like build a sleigh or something out of all the drones in the sky. And it just looks insane. Man, that sounds wild. I don't know how. I mean, it just sounds wild. Now, what's interesting is I got a couple friends who are really into drones. Yeah. And then everybody who watched the HBO Hard Knocks and saw what the yeah. drone did, um, you know, as it flew like, I don't know, five minutes at the beginning of a the show, they're yeah. all fascinated by it. But I guess I'm trying to figure out, okay, what are the... What exactly are the drones going to be doing? I mean, taking pictures? I mean, what are we doing? I don't know, but I, I mean, obviously, I mean, they use drones filming movies now because drones can get camera shots that you just wouldn't be able to get. And if you have somebody who's a really good drone operator, it's completely steady. Uh, it, it, they can go air, obviously, like the, like you're talking about the thing at, at, at the star that they did at Hard Knocks. They can do things that simply nothing else can do. I mean, it's a, it's a flying camera that you're 100% in control of. And so I think with something like this, you can program them to be in sync and they can light up and do different things. Obviously, we're going to be using drones. I mean, we're, we're a decade away, probably way less than that of we're just going to walk outside and drones will be coming down your street, dropping off packages. <laughs> I mean, hell, they're already doing a little bit of that. Sounds wild. But yeah, I get it. It'll be fantastic. Instead of being a couple of days late and telling you, oh, sorry, we'll get there when we can. The drone, there'll be drones everywhere. They'll never be late. They'll be, you'll order something and an hour later, here comes the drone with it. Dude. It's the future, man. I know you just got to accept it, man. You, know, you do. The longer we're here, the more you just got to deal with this is the this is our new reality. It is. And, and that's what it is. But I actually think something like this, that sounds like it would be badass because they can, and they're so massive in the sky that you, it's it's hard to wrap your mind around what you're watching when they do stuff like that drones are underrated more drones 
No, you know, I told you my friend's got a uh, my friend is really into Joe, Big Joe and the Big Rig. He's I mean, he's really into drones. He's been flying them and mm-hmm. doing all this other stuff and he wants to talk about all the camera. I mean, so I mean, he's into it cuz he'll shoot me pictures of a of a sunset or a, you know, early morning yeah. horizon from time to time and they're spectacular. The other thing that I wanted to throw out there is some of you may have heard of this, but the first official show is coming at the Echo Lounge and Music Hall, which is that thousand seat capacity venue that is run by mark cuban over there in the design district that he built in in coordination right. with live nation sting former frontman for the police sting is opening it'll be the first major show at the new venue tickets start at 130 dollars, but you'll get to see sting in a thousand seat venue and i mean we're talking about a dude who's played stadiums before Dude, if I was a Sting person, yeah, I would do that because I like smaller, more intimate venues. Uh, that's what I like, where you can really get into the performance. I like I. This is just me. I would never go see somebody at AT and T. Like I don't care who it is. Like I just wouldn't go. I want a smaller, more intimate yeah. venue where I can really get into the performance, really soak it in, really feel like I'm vibing to it. So I didn't realize Sting is 70 years old and has not been in Dallas in almost three years. So this will be his first time back since then. And he's touring. He just released his 15th solo studio album. I mean, that is just, I don't know why. I never would have guessed that Sting's done 15 solo albums at this point. I would never guess he was 70, but I guess he is. I mean, man, that's like those pictures. Did you see the pictures that Mick Jagger is putting up on, on like Instagram or whatever now? where he is so old that he's he going into like these famous bars and stuff of these cities that they tour in, and nobody realizes it's Mick Jagger just sitting next to them drinking a beer. Okay, like I'm serious. Like, is he like 75, 77? I don't know. I would guess he's 80. Let's see. He is 78. Mick okay, Jagger so this- is 78 years old. Okay, and I'm, I'm just saying this on a real, and my pops will be upset about this. But my dad was in town last week. Mm-hmm. My dad's 79 and a half. Or no, I guess he's just 79. Dude. The dude looks like he's like 60. Yeah, I would imagine he didn't live the hard rock lifestyle of a Mick and Jagger. So, <laughs> and so it's amazing to me that we're, that you go, oh my God, he's so old that people don't even recognize him when he looks in because he's got this, his, uh, his life and this and that. And you go... Well, damn, he's two years younger than my old man who was here this weekend. Looked like he'd been drinking straight out the fountain of youth every day for the last, uh, you know, decade. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. But and again, I don't even know like how many people would. Sometimes I think if you saw somebody like that, if you recognized him in your head, your brain might not even connect. Like, why would Mick Jagger just be sitting here at this random pub in the middle of nowhere in Dallas drinking a beer right now? I think that happens more than anything like you don't expect to see him yeah. there, so you don't even, you go oh there's somebody who looks like Mick Jagger wow yeah like he he had put a picture up like a couple of weeks ago he was outside the broken spoke in Austin just sipping on a beer and these people are just mingling about plus I mean how many people how many younger people honestly that might go to bars like I, I wonder like how many people just that when you walk into a bar would even be familiar I mean everybody knows the stones I would imagine but how many younger people would know what Mick Jagger looks like? Not a lot. Like they may know like, oh yeah, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I've heard of them. And I'm talking about people under the age of 30 or under the age of, you know, 21 to 30. 
Like you're, oh, you're old yeah. enough, you go to bars and you're having some beers or whatnot. If Mick Jagger walked in there, would you immediately know who it was? Not unless you were a huge fan of the Rolling Stones. Outside of that, though, you would know who he was. Like, I, I know the Stones. I know their music really well. I would know Mick Jagger for sure. But if Keith Richards walked in, you oh. know, it, depending on how he's dressed, like, I don't, maybe they're just wearing a T-shirt and jeans. They're not dressed like rock stars. Well, I was going to say, you know, forgive my ignorance because I'm not a big Rolling Stones person. Who else is in the Rolling Stones that you would know? That would be it. I mean, in, in borderline Keith Richards recognizing him in person, just because they're so much older than I think you have in your mind of, it's not like I go and look up Keith Richards photos, you know? And right. so when I Google his name and I see him, I'm like, man, okay. I, I don't know if I would be like, oh, that's Keith Richards or not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Hell, hell I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like that, those that's are the only two names I know from the Rolling Stones. At least I know. Well, Ronnie Wood is still around, and Ronnie Wood tours with them. And then Charlie Watts was the drummer who passed away not that long ago. Right. See, like, I've never heard of either one of those two guys. Yeah, I was trying to remember. It seems like Charlie Watts died earlier this year, like I, I, over the summer at some point. And he, he was one of the great drummers of all time, obviously, played with the Stones for years and years. But that's what's so wild. Like, Paul McCartney, if Paul McCartney walked in, I would know immediately who it was. I think, but then again, so. does my mind associate like, hey, that 90-year-old looking dude over there looks like Paul McCartney. <laughs> Bruh. I don't know, man. That'd be kind of, that'd be a trip. I mean, I don't know if, like, I'm trying to think if I've ever, I mean, I, I remember that when I randomly saw Cuba Gooding Jr. at a place that we were sitting right next to him, and, and I'm like, oh my God, it's Cuba Gooding Jr., and I knew immediately it was him. Right. But I don't hang out in a lot of places where celebrities are rolling around. I mean, non like sports people you see fairly often, I guess. But I'm talking right, about, right, right. you know, like a big time actor or somebody of that nature. Right. Not for the <laughs> lifestyles of the rich and famous. Oh, know. is that is that right? You're running into all to the Wilson brothers rolling around Dallas. Right, 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 right. Of course, of course, of course. Matthew. Who else do you like? Who else do you <laughs> run into that's so famous? Oh, Oh, you know, those who know don't say, and those who say don't know, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you ran into Jerry getting a COVID test. Well, <laughs> once again, Matthew, I did not want to, uh, you know, I don't want to seem like I'm flossing, man, nor do I want to be accused of capping. I mean, so, you already told the story, so it's okay. I'm just going to keep it on the low low. <laughs> I'm going to add it to my own personal secret menu. Okay. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to think, like, in, in Birmingham, if I ever see anybody, like Taylor Hicks, who I was on American Idol and is a singer that people know, he's around here all the time. But I don't think, like, I wouldn't see Taylor Hicks. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Taylor Hicks. I'd be like, hey, what's up, man? And he'd be like, oh, I love your show. And I'd be like, oh, thanks. I was going to say, you, you may be one of the celebrities. In, uh, oh, that happened yesterday. <laughs> see, we I were told at, you. We were at this ball. Dude, this is hilarious because you never know how this is going to go. This dude walks up to me. And he was like, hey, he goes, are you on the radio? And I was like, yeah. He goes, are you Matt? I said, yes, I am. He goes, man, I got a bone to pick with you. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, ah, oh, shit. I'm like, what is this going to be about? What rabbit hole do we go down? And he brought up something that I had said on the radio like five months ago. <laughs> He's hardcore. Baby. I know, man. And I was like, oh, okay. And I actually did. Like, once he explained it a little bit more, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I remember. I remember. Okay. I was like, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember what you're talking about. He goes, well, I remember exactly what you said. And you said this and this. I'm like, wow. All right. Wow. And he, goes, right. he goes, man, 
And, he, he, you know, we talked back and forth for a bit. He goes, well, you seem like a really cool guy. He's like, oh, I always wonder what you'd be like in person. You seem like the kind of, like a stand-up guy. And then he goes, well, I don't know if I would say a stand-up guy. But you seem like the kind of guy you could have a beer with. <laughs> I was like, what all right, man. Okay, cool. I was like, cool, fair cool, enough. Cool, cool. I guess, you know. I don't seem like a stand-up guy. It's like I, that's like the most backhanded compliment of all time. What you just said to me, but we'll you know. see. So there you have it. That's a fun little trip around the block. Some fun things to be looking forward to if you're in the DF Dub, which I will be over Christmas. I'll be there. Still don't know when. It's still not for sure when, but at some point, I know I will be there Christmas Day at some point, and probably the day after Christmas. Outside of that, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Only time will tell, because time, my friend. Has no secret. <laughs> you okay, bro? <laughs> <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> yeah, duh. Before we say hello to Todd Archer, let's tell you, of course, about another one of our fantastic sponsors. It does not, in my opinion, get any better than Smokey John's Barbecue. It's local. It's family-owned. Smokey John's Barbecue offering the Jam Session Bowl. Many of you have gotten it. If you haven't gotten it, you need to make plans. Maybe you're like, well, I don't really live that close to Mockingbird in the Dallas area. Well, maybe one weekend you make plans and, and you drive in, you swing by Smokey John's Barbecue, and you get the jam session bowl. And everybody in line will look at you and be like, what is that? What? And they're looking at the menu. It's not on the menu. It's the secret <laughs> menu only for jam session. You've, you've had it. It's, it's, it's awesome. Dude, I had the other day. It's fantastic. Uh, you know, my dad and his wife were in town, and we – I took them over there and uh, and had it, man. They did it with the mashed potatoes, uh, with a brisket and sausage, and uh, it was devoured. Now, jam session bowl, just so you know, it's enough for two. Like, no joke, yeah. it's enough for two. Um, and it's enough for two, and even then you're not going to finish it, and you come back and uh, fight over the leftovers. But it's fantastic, and it is. Uh, I can't tell you enough to go grab it. Yeah, you need to go, man. I mean, it is. it's made from scratch, your choice. Mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, top it how you like with all the toppings, your choice of two meats and the Smokey John's barbecue sauce. Make it happen. And don't forget, just in time for the holiday season coming up, you're looking for a stocking stuffer, something unique for somebody, go to Smokey's Market. Click on SmokeyJohns.com. Click on Smokey's Market. You can have their, their barbecue sauce or their rub delivered anywhere. Anywhere you are, they will deliver it to you just in time for Christmas so you can get a little taste of that Texas barbecue from SmokeyJohns.com. Also, of course, have you made the move yet? Have you found something? Speaking of the holiday season, ladies, listen up. I know we have a lot of women listeners, but even guys, sometimes this happens to me where I don't know what the hell I want to buy. I, I just know she likes cute stuff. Fortunately, okay, right. all this fashionable, cute things are in one location online at kinleyrose.com, K-I-N-L-E-Y rose.com. You can check them out or find them on Instagram at shop Kinley Rose. And it just is one of those situations. It just makes it easy for you. It just makes it absolutely easy. They also do gift cards. So if you wanted to buy a gift card online at kinleyrose.com, you could purchase that, put it in her stocking. She'd be like, oh, what's this? She'd be like, oh, it's this new boutique I found. I think she'd be like, oh, you know boutique. Oh, they love it. They love stuff like that. That's Just do this. Use the promo code JAMSESSION10 and you get 10% off your first order at kinleyrose.com, focusing on attainable style without sacrificing comfort. Support small business. It's great. It's local. It's small. Online, kinleyrose.com. 
bluestarmotorgroup.com. All right, we do it every week. He joins us here, and he is brought to you by bluestarmotorgroup.com. ESPN Cowboys insider Todd Archer joining us. Another Thursday night game in the Dome against the Saints. No Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy will not be coaching the game. How's this going to work? What, what's your take on Dan Quinn and, and your understanding of the logistics of how this will work with, with McCarthy's situation? Yeah, Dan Quinn's got the, the red challenge flag in his pocket, and he'll be the guy calling timeouts, making the fourth down decision, ultimately, with Fossil in his ear, just as he is with Mike McCarthy. Colin has full autonomy of the offense anyway, so there's really not a change there, although Mike, you know, I've been a few times uh, throughout the last two seasons saying some things, but you don't want to, like, say, well, they're not going to miss him. It's the head coach. Like, yeah, you're going to miss the head coach, but you don't want to, like, overdo it and say, well, they got no chance because the head coach isn't there. He'll be the fourth head coach in the NFL to miss a game uh, the last two seasons. The Browns won a playoff game without Kevin Stefanski. The Bears lost to San Francisco without Matt Nagy. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals won without him earlier this year. So when, when the teams are two and one without their head coach, so it's not a undoable situation for you Dallas football Cowboys this week to win without Mike McCarthy. Although the Saints might have something to say about that. Nah, bro, they need to win without Mike McCarthy. They just need a dub, man. Doesn't matter who's on the sideline, who's playing. They need to find a way to get a dub. Right. This is what we talked about last week. This is the game you win three to two, and who cares? Just get a win. You know, last week we were talking about, okay, it doesn't need to be 43-3, to but you need to look the part against the Raiders, and obviously they didn't. And this is a game with all your head coach. Who knows if Amari Cooper's playing. Um, you know, you got guys coming back on defense, but tomorrow Lawrence is going to play all that much. Yeah, this is a game. Win 3-2, to stay out of New Orleans, use your 10-day break, get everybody healthy, and then get ready for, what do you got, four division games, last six, five? You know, win those, and then everything can be back on track. Yeah, this is we can pass it out pretty easy, right? Yeah, I mean that's. But we talked about this before the Kansas City game. You talked about the this will be a three game stretch that will show if the Cowboys are a team in the NFC or the team in the NFC. And obviously, they've lost the first two of those games, and they hope to salvage this three game stretch. And and we'll see where they can go from there. But at least at this point, it has become obvious they are not quite the team in the NFC at this point. Right, they're 18. And it doesn't mean they can't, you know, do everything that they want to do. Zach Martin said, all of our goals are still ahead of us. Well, that's what you say when, you know, hey, you're going to win a, win a bad division and, you know, you're going to get the playoffs. And, hey, if you just get in the tournament, anything can happen. Yeah, but that's not what we were talking about with this team a month ago. This team, when they were 6 and 1, they beat Minnesota with, with um, Cooper Rush as a quarterback. We were thinking, this is the best team the Cowboys have had since the Super Bowl team. This is this is the team in the NFL. Forget the <laughs> NFC. And, and now we're sitting there saying, yeah, they'll win the East. <laughs> I mean, you know, but, yeah, it seems like another, you know, maybe another one-and-done season. But, I mean, you look at the rest of the NFC, right? And is any As what we know right now, do you fear playing Arizona? I wouldn't. I mean, no. what, they have no track record. You have a little more – you have fear when you play Tampix because of Tom Brady. You have a fear when you play Green Bay because of Aaron Rodgers. Do you have a fear of anybody else? I, uh, do you? I, like, I can't think of anybody no. else that you have any fear over. Um, 
But again, the teams that you'd be playing, well, they got no fear of you either because you're a team that's not that that doesn't have a track record either. So that's why they're a team and not the team. I should have a story on that. That's a pretty good line that we came up with. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, if I don't beat you to it first. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see that nervous laughter there? <laughs> hey, man. I'll just write it. Uh, I'll just write it better than you. Eh, no, nah, not really. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Here we go. This is my this is my boy. Arch knows I love him. I haven't loved all my partners, but this is my dog right here. Um, Amari Cooper, man. I think the interesting thing about Amari Cooper is that as we peel back the vaccination, the pandemic, and all this stuff, the vaccination to me. And y'all, you know, y'all feel free to chip in. It was never designed to say you, you're not going to get COVID. It's designed to say when you get COVID, it really doesn't have much of an effect on you if you have the vaccination. You get it, maybe you're a little sick, and, but you, you keep it moving. Well, he's unvaccinated. And apparently COVID is kicking his ass because it sounds to me like he's going to miss a third game. And I'm like, dude, you should have got the jab, bro. Yeah, I, I know Mike McCarthy said he still has a cough and he's not feeling the best today. And talking to some other people afterwards, they weren't sure if he still had a cough or wasn't feeling the best. But tomorrow will be a big day. Wednesday will be a big day for, for him in terms of what he's able to do. And they're going to push him conditioning-wise. He's, from the way I understand it, like they got to do those cardiovascular tests and everything when players come back. Um, he's cleared through all that stuff, and now they just need to see where he's conditioning-wise. But you do make a, to your larger point um, about Amari, and I agree with you on the on the vaccine and, and what it was designed, what it is designed to do, um, and how it's designed to protect you, if not complete, it completely keeps you uh, COVID-free. It, when you do get it, you're not going to get severe cases. Uh, and and transfer to other people and all that. Let's not go down that path. Let's stick with Amari. Jerry's comments, however, about Amari, I think were telling when he talked on the flagship about this is a we thing and a me thing and, you know, why it was important in his mind for everybody to get vaccine, do-do-do-do-do. Well, we all know this is a money league and a cap league. Based on that, I don't think Amari's going to be around here next year. At twenty million bucks, so so they can make. This is why they've not restructured his contract. They can get out of that deal and only count six against the cap. You can use that money to re-sign Michael Gallup or uh, re-sign and Cedric Wilson or go get another receiver. Whatever you want to do. Um, I, I thought Jerry's comments on the flagship last week were were kind of telling that he 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 was he's upset that this has become an issue losing. Uh, Cooper. It's one thing to lose Keanu Neal for two games because he was unvaccinated. It's another thing to lose your $20 million wide receiver because he's unvaccinated. All right. I'm sorry, man. I'm curious. Would you rather have Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and whoever you find to be your third guy? Or would you rather have CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, and uh, Cedric Wilson? I'd rather have Cooper on the team. Um, because I know what he is, uh, I, you know, and he is a very, he's an excellent receiver, um, has made some big plays, obviously, and he, and he helps that passing game tremendously. Um, but when you factor in the price tag, you know, I can, 
it, it might and, and where they are going to be against the cap with everybody else on the team, I can make the case it makes more sense to keep Gallup and Cedric Wilson for the price tag that it would have to keep Amari Cooper. And I don't know if you'd be able we talked about this, Cedric Wilson probably going to get more money than people think from somebody. And, you know, let's see if Gallup found his rhythm last week late against the Raiders. Um, but he's a guy that could stand to cash in as well when he gets to the open market. You never know what's going to happen. So they, they, they might be in a position where they get a draft receiver pretty early next, next spring to fill Cooper's absence and Gallup and Cedric Wilson going somewhere else. You had an article that came out earlier this week about Zeke. The situation with Zeke, there was some thought apparently that they might sit him on Thursday night. How concerned are they with what's going on with his knee injury and how that lingers around moving forward for them? You know, Mike McCarthy said he was concerned about it at the day after Thanksgiving just with his the style he plays and how bad it's been. But Zeke, it, it doesn't seem concerned about it and says he's getting better and was a full part to many practices this week, albeit they weren't the all-out practices they kind of used to. By the way, I just want to say something for the folks listening. This is not a short week for the Cowboys. There seem to be some folks in the media that says this is a short week. This is a normal week. This is a Sunday to Sunday. It's just Thursday to Thursday. Like, I, I get confused when people are thinking they're on a short week this week, so that's my quick aside. But I saw that for one of the 17 people that JJT Media Group works for, that he wrote it's time for Tony Pollard to get more carries and more action uh, as a running back. Pollard's averaging no, the same yard per carry as Zeke is when you take out the gimmick wildcat run he had against Kansas City. So it's not like he's no. setting the world on fire. Mm. This isn't a running back thing to me. This is an offensive line and scheme thing that they need to get better at, offensive line-wise, and scheme-wise, do something different. That's the issues in my mind with the running game. Not so much, well, Zeke's banged up and Zeke's slow and he's not hitting it as hard as he used to. Do, do, do. I, I think the running game scheme has been figured out or solved by the opposing defenses, and the Cowboys have to adjust to the adjustments. Well, my whole point was if he's banged up and he's, and, and he's compromised, and that's what it looks a little bit like, then if you're going to sit him, go ahead and sit him for one game and see if that makes a difference and for probably can handle it for one game now because yeah i just I read know, the headline i really didn't see what you said but i just know that it's time for tony Pollard to get more work. <laughs> <laughs> you know i expect more from my boys <laughs> yeah but you, you i was gonna say todd you pointed it out in the article that you wrote about how they've really scaled back on zeke's snaps in the last few games yeah. because so there's obviously a problem and, and, and it seems like it's one of those things that is it's not just going to go away yeah, I mean, and again, get through this game. He's got 10 days to get right for the next one. So I think that's kind of the idea, and that's where the, the quote, rest will come. Um, and, and like we said, they've managed his snaps. He went from playing, if you got it right there in front of you, Matt, and help me out, but I think it was 84% of the snaps mm-hmm. in the first eight games, and he's down into the 60s, I think, in, in the last five or last, last four. And he, he did this early October against, October against Carolina. So, you know, this, this isn't something that's been new. This is something that's been lingering pretty good, even when he was running well. So I, I, I think this is where you get past it. Well, I'll tell you the, the most interesting stat I find, because there's a lot of stats, and we can all use them and, and manipulate them however. 
most impressed the 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 wildest stat to me about Zeke being hurt and Zeke being compromised is he's got two runs of uh, ten yards or more in the last five games, and both of those happened uh, against Denver, and so that's four out of five where he hadn't even had one, and he was amongst the league leaders in that first um, five weeks of the season. Now, now tell me how many Tony Pollard's had, right? Um, I think Tony. I go look it up because I had because I had but, it. But Tony Pollard. It's not it's what not it was. Big. Right. So that's why I think it's more of a line issue. You can go, you know, yards before contact in their uh, six-game winning streak. It was 3.17 or something around there. Yards per carry before contact. Now it's 1.87. That's a right. huge difference. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And their, their win, uh, run block win rate is down pretty well. And, and – Look, they're going to be on their fourth or fifth different offensive line combination in the last four or five, six games, whatever it is, with Leo Collins going back to right tackle. Again, that's why I'm, I'm, I don't think it's a Zeke issue. I think it's more of an offensive line. And Zach Martin talked was like, look, we got to play better. This is on us. It's not on the running back. And every offensive line is going to say that. But I think there's a level of speed to it. They've not played as well here lately. Even, even the, the, the win against Minnesota, they didn't run the ball very well. Even in the, the, the game against Atlanta, Zeke's numbers weren't very good. He scored it, but he had two rushing touchdowns. So I, I think it's a scheme thing. We're not seeing misdirection runs. We're not seeing proving. We're seeing kind of the same stuff. Bang your head against the wall, get 30 yards all the time, but they're not creating. And, and, you know, Zeke talks about the line movement. Up front is giving them issues and the run blitzing. Well, weren't team, I'm sure teams are doing that when they're running the ball effectively too, right? I mean, so again, right. it's an adjust. They got to adjust to the adjustment on them, and now you got to do it in a week where you're playing a run defense in New Orleans that's gone 72 games and has allowed just one one game with 100 yard rushing. That was Philadelphia had two of them last year against them, and then this year Philadelphia had 242 yards against them. So evidently, everybody but Philadelphia, or Philadelphia is the only team that can run against the Saints because the rest of it they're giving up like 70 yards a game on the ground. So. Oh, and oh, by the way, your offensive line coach is out. Oh, by the way, your assistant offensive line coach is out. Oh, by the way, the tight end coach is now the offensive line coach. The senior consultant, whatever Ben McAdoo's title is, he's now the tight end coach. <laughs> so, you know, this isn't, isn't lining up well for the get the running game back on track kind of game for the Cowboys uh, going into the Super Bowl. Yeah, this is one of those weird games because of the, what you kind of just talked about. It sounds like, at least when you read it, that they're they, they're just going to go with Taysom Hill at quarterback because Trevor Simeon hadn't been that great, which could change some things up. This, but this is another one of those games. Of course, I thought this about the Raiders. <laughs> this is a Saints team that's lost four in a row. A couple of those were close. A couple of them not close and just got their ass kicked by Buffalo. This is a game you should win. Yeah, and there's always a Sean Payton factor when the Cowboys play the Saints that we all know about. So, and Sean will have these guys ready. Alvin Kamara is supposedly going to be back. Mark Ingram's back. I almost think it's better for the Cowboys if Taysom Hill is playing quarterback than Trevor Simeon, if I'm being truthful, because can Taysom Hill throw the ball? Like, not well. I mean, that's what hurts. You know, Deshaun Jackson's not going to be getting a 50 yard play on him this week. And we know Mike Thomas is not out there, so uh, for the Saints. So, I mean, this is a game they should on paper win but again 
no style points in this one. Just get out with any kind of W. Who cares how ugly? And I thought it was interesting in McCarthy after the game, or, or, or the, the day after the game, so we have to learn how to win ugly games, right? And there is an element of that. Well, how much uglier can it be when you don't have your head coach, you don't have your offensive line coach, you don't have your assistant offensive line coach, you, you're down your right tackle, you just lost a, a guy who won special teams the last couple of weeks, and Nation Riley's been a, a, a key player for you. Um, you know, th- this is th- this is a win ugly and get out of there at, at eight and four and get into the last five weeks of the season trying to get on a roll because that's what it is. It's not about being the best team. And, you know, New Orleans, Tampa, what was their record last year at one point? Like six and five or something yeah. like that? Yeah. And they got hot. They, and that's what it is. It's about getting hot at the right time. You don't want the Cowboys' hot streak to be, be when their six-game winning streak in September or October. You want to be at the end of the season. It's not about who's the best team. It's who's the hottest team. True words right there. Yeah, because I, I, you're right. They were 7-5, and five, Tampa was, had their bye week and didn't lose the rest of the year until they, they won the Super Bowl. They won eight straight, including the Super Bowl, and that was it. And then, let's be honest, I mean, they have Tom Brady. So, I mean, like, that's where you just benefit of the job. Automatically goes to Tampa because they have Tom Brady, right? I mean, and, and they weren't a couple weeks ago. Shoot, didn't Brady's press conference last like 30 seconds after one of the games or he's like, I'm on it. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, it's not like their ship is perfectly pointed in the right direction either. And then, you know, Green Bay, a quarterback got a busted through that sometimes, sometimes seems to give them problems, and who knows if it will get worse. Uh, from down, you know, as the weather gets colder up there, and the, the, theoretically the games get more difficult. So, I don't know. Is Washington in this thing, by the way? I don't think anybody with their quarterback – Issues can be in the race. I mean, they won a couple games. Okay, fine. I mean, I just, you know, I just ain't buying the quarterback situation. Right, and if you, I'm with you on that as well, but, I mean, you look at the Giants and the Cowboys, a huge favor because you look at Philadelphia's remaining schedule, and you're like, ooh, they really put you yeah. back into this thing. And, and, you know, then now they, they, they uh, still seem to have the same old quarterback questions with Jalen Hurts. Can run the ball, can do really well. They're running Lamar Jackson's offense. They just can't throw it. Um, it's all, this is right. all predicated on the Cowboys playing good football, man. If they play good football, then right. we're not having this conversation. If they muck it up, mess it up, and F it up, then, uh, yeah, you can let those raggedy Rudy Poot teams back in it. Yeah, that's true. So, you know. I, I got a story coming game day on Micah. And I towards the end of it, I mentioned and this is a good topic maybe for you guys to discuss as well. Can he win the Defensive Player of the Year award? Not just the rookie. We got give him that one, right? He start putting his name on that one. Can he win the Defensive Player of the Year? The way he's been playing, if he continues that, I think he's got to be in the conversation. I think he has to. I think he can win it, but he needs uh, he needs a couple of spectacular games on national TV to get it done. He needs. He probably needs. And he's got two. You know, he's got at least two, and he's got a big one against Arizona left uh, out there. Right. Six games. And Five what, if, you know, if we call this a Heisman Trophy and all that stuff, you got to have a signature play. He's had a bunch of great plays. I mean, he's had a hell of a year. But he needs a signature play in a big game. And it could come in Arizona, you know, sack, strip, fumble, return it for a touchdown on Kyler Murray, something like that. I, I talked to Matt Bowen, the ESPN NFL matchup guy that he does the show with Sal Powell and um, Greg Cosell, and he was saying, if people want to tell me that Miles Garrett is the best 
major entry in football, I'm not going to make an argument with them. But if they want to, but but my, can Micah Parsons be number two? And that's saying something for a dude that A was on his coach last November, and B isn't a full time defensive end that he thinks he's the second best edge rusher in the NFL. Like when he said that, I literally said out loud in our phone conversation, "I go, wow." Like, yeah. I mean that 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 caught me by surprise. And here's a guy who studies the entire league and knows it backwards and forwards. And and for him to say that was pretty funny. All right, well let me ask you a follow up to that. We had. I would venture we had similar conversations, similar, about Leighton Vanderish after his rookie year. All pro, oh, my God, second coming to Leroy Jordan, whatever, whatever, whatever. Why will Micah Parsons be different? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there has to be some questions because he's not put it together year to year yet. So, But I would say his flash plays, right, that you, yeah. that you track are much better. You know, Leighton – missed like one tackle or you know in the first 10 weeks of his rookie season he was a tackle compiler and had a couple of good plays but this is a guy who's getting sacked he's getting tackled for long he's forcing fumbles uh you know he's doing all those things that catch your eye that you can't teach necessarily i i I, you know much like i I just don't think a guy who's born with the ability to get to the quarterback and have closing speed the way that this guy does. I don't think there's a coach that says, okay, now close. And the guy, oh, yeah, well, i got to run fast. No, they just do it. And I think that's like Micah. I, I, I don't want to say it yet, but I'll say his closing speed is on par with DeMarcus Ware and potentially couldn't be even better than what Ware has. Um, uh, so that's why I think he does have some staying power because he's made – the, the splash plays on the defense. And look, he might be a full-time defensive end next year because top contracts with Amari Cooper. Are they going to keep DeMarcus Lawrence around at $27 million bucks against the cap next year? Mm. I wouldn't so, think so. I think that thing you know, is Yeah, you got Randy Gregory as a free agent after this year. So, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of moving parts that Micah might be might be a full-time defensive end next year if he's not this year. Although, I, I, I'm, I'd i keep him at the same spot, to be honest with you. Uh, or not, I'm sorry. I'd keep him at both spots and just have it dependent yeah, on yeah. the offense you're playing. Like, why do you have to? If it's third and seven, rest the passer, go ahead. Third and two, okay, I'm going to keep you a linebacker. Like, make him a football player. Don't just make him limit him to one spot. And then that opens yeah. up the, what where you putting the franchise tag on it, what position and in, in yeah, it doesn't matter. He's so good, and, and his trajectory is so high. You know, he's going to make a zillion dollars anyway, so just take care of him so it doesn't even get to the franchise tag conversation. I said the same thing about Dak uh, the last couple of years. Of his <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, they've, hey, check this out, Maybe they've learned some shit because guess what? The price don't never go down. By, by the way, Jacques, I think you're with me on this. Is it wrong to, like, we, I wrote, and our buddy Calvin wrote, the Cowboys need more from Dak. And then all of a sudden you get away, oh, yeah, they need more from Dak. He's playing terrible. It's like, no, he's not playing terrible. He had a solid game against uh, the Raiders, but we can point to six, seven throws in that game, where, and including the one in overtime that led him to punt, that he missed. And when you're a $40 million quarterback, that's what you're judged by. You're not in nothing else. I don't think it's wrong to say the Cowboys need more from Dak. 
it's not being a hater. It's just being factual, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I kind of wrote that uh, earlier this week. Uh, no, I think it's a, it's a absolutely correct because here's the deal. When you're missing Amari Cooper and you're missing C.D. Lamb, we understand that the passing game is compromised. Okay, we get that. So what happens is when you get them other guys running open, you got to hit them. Now, if they drop it, that's another conversation. If you get right. sacked because Terrence Steele can't handle left tackle, that's another conversation. But when Noah Brown – it's got a step and a half on third and seven. I mean, you got to hit him, dog, because that's the ball game. Or at least you continue right. to get a chance to win. You can't throw it behind him. You have got you to make throw that throw. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's it ain't a throw complicated. Made a thousand times. It, it wasn't right. like some difficult throw think, for Dak. Like, and I think Dak gets it. I don't think Dak is asking for a pass. But to whom much is given, we all know. Much is required. Now, Jack, quoting the Bible, you know what that means, Matt. Yep, there it is. It is time to head out. (laughs) Paul fell down the back door step. Y'all can use it. (laughs) All right. And with that, we will wrap up our Todd Archer conversation. Phenomenal as always. Thanks, Todd. You got it, guys. Thank you. All right. See you. All right. Todd Archer, of course, always brought to you by Blue Star Motor Group, bluestarmotorgroup.com. If you're looking for a vehicle, if you're looking to buy or sell, If you are looking, of course, you want a superior quality, Carfax certified, pre-owned vehicle of any make, any model, you're going to find it at bluestarmotorgroup.com. It's local, it's family owned, and I'm telling you, they are going to get you taken care of. When you call Deb or you give her a text, whichever one is easier for you, 817-881-4066, you're going to talk to her like, hey, here's what I'm looking for. I saw it on your website. They're going to work with you to get you that great deal at Blue Star Motor Group. Dude, it's what they do, man. Deb and Mike, they're all about the win-win, man. That's what I like about them because I've worked with them. You know, I've worked with everybody. But they're about the win-win, man. And it doesn't matter whether you're selling them your car, where they'll try to give you the best price you can find, or if they're buying a, you're buying a car from them, where they give you the best price you can find. They're all about, at the end of the day, when the deal is done, the papers have been signed, his hands have been shook, you drive off like, hell, I can't wait to buy another car from them. Yeah, I mean, make it happen. It's that simple. It's that easy to take care of yourself and support another local business with Blue Star Motor Group. 817-881-4066. Just do yourself a favor, man. Pull it up. Go to the website right now at bluestarmotorgroup.com. While you're sitting there, you're listening to the podcast, and you will see their fine selection of vehicles, all sorts of different rides. Something on their website is going to be what you're looking for. So make it over there at Blue Star Motor Group. Also, of course, as we make our way through the winter, we all know this. Texas weather is so weird and wonky. Sometimes it's hot. Sometimes it's cold. That can all play havoc on your foundation, especially when it rains a bunch and then it gets dry. If you have seen some signs that your foundation may have some problems and you go, well, what the hell sign is that? Well, (laughs) sticking doors, cracks that you noticed in your walls and your ceiling, stuff like that. You need to give HFX Foundation Solutions a call. Let Aaron come out himself, all right? It's a local family-owned foundation company. He's not going to send some salesman that's trying to work on commission to just, no, 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 you need that. He's going to come out. They're going to give you the free, no-obligation inspection and find out what's going on. Now, if you have a problem, they can help you get it taken care of, and they offer, of course, quick and easy third-party financing. Or if you don't have a problem, they may just tell you, you know what? 
thanks for having us out. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. We'll see you next time. Dude, um, there's a reason why, y'all have heard me say this a thousand times, we call it a colonoscopy for your house because it's all about preventative maintenance, dog. It's about getting Aaron and HFX to come out there and see if your house is, is cool. If it is, guess what? No worries, no problems. And if it's not, guess what? Odds are you found it before it's, it's a big deal. And so you'll pay a fraction of the cost of what if you find it late. That's just what the odds are, man. So give Aaron and HFX a call. Have them come out, check out your foundation, your foundation, and get that peace of mind, brother. Make it happen, man. It's very easy to do. 817-770-0174 or online. You can schedule your appointment at hfxfoundation.com. This world of college football is crazy as hell, man. This has got to be the wildest coaching carousel I can ever remember in the world of college football. We walked into it a couple of days ago, already knowing that USC, LSU, Florida, Washington, TCU, a variety of other jobs across the country, Virginia Tech, all were going, had openings. We knew that. What we didn't know is that just within a couple of days, somehow Oklahoma and Notre Dame would also have openings. Stunning moves in the world of college football. Lincoln Riley, after five seasons in Norman, walks away from the Sooners to roll out West to take the USC job, which immediately changes the Pac-12. I think it immediately makes them the favorite in the Pac-12 South next year. And I would not be surprised if he's one of those coaches that comes in because he'll use a transfer portal and kids are going to be wanting to be like, oh, hell, you mean I can go back home to California and play for Lincoln? Cool. Yep. I think he's going to clean up. He's already getting a lot of people that decommitted from Oklahoma. They're going to follow him to USC. He is going to have, I think, now again, winning a national title is a different thing, but winning the Pac-12, that dude's going to have them pumping out Pac-12 titles like he did OU at Oklahoma. What's about returning USC to his glory? I mean, if... I mean, I ain't breaking no news here. If, you, if you're going to play college football at USC and you're going to have the best players in California play for you, then you're going to contend for a national championship. I don't know if you'll win it, but you're going to be in the hunt. You're going to be in the conversation. You're going to, maybe they supplant Clemson as a team that's always there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but USC, he's going to get them back right. Uh, I don't know if it happened in one year, um, although – he got there early enough that he can do all his recruiting. He can have his spring ball, install his offense, and have him ready to go in the fall. Yep. I mean, I think he is going to have, and I do think that he saw the move to the SEC and realized, I don't want to mess with LSU and Bama and Auburn and Georgia and Florida and Tennessee and all that other stuff. I'd rather continue on in a conference that's very similar to the Big 12 where I have an opportunity year in and year out, especially as the playoff expands to 12 teams. If he can get USC to 10-2, and 11-1, year in and year out, they'll be in the playoff every year. Yeah, see, I don't think there's any shame in that, man. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, f- I find it amusing that, that Oklahoma's all butthurt. Of course you know, they after are. The, after the way that uh, they treated the Big 12. I mean, you know, it's just whatever, man. It's every man for himself. And so you can't, you can't be all sensitive when it happens to you. Um, you know, I think it's a, uh, I think in a, you know, at a certain level, I don't think he's scared of the SEC because, I mean, Oklahoma's got a terrific program. But 
if I can take an easier route to a championship, then I'm going to take an easier route to a championship. And it doesn't mean I'm a chump. It just means I'm taking an easier route to a championship. Yeah, I, 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 have, I had no problem with it. it to me, it, it's one of those things. And I always think this is interesting because Brian Kelly is in the same boat as he leaves Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's got a, a chance. I don't think it'll happen, but they, they can still make the playoff if a couple of things go their way. And that's one of those things where he left a team that he's got a shot to get into the playoff. Well, guess what? In 2012, they played for a national title. They got their ass kicked by Alabama. He's been to the playoffs twice. They got their ass kicked in both games that they played. And so I, I think he kind of looked at it and he said, you know, if LSU wants me with the facilities they have and the, the amount of talent, it's a lot easier, believe it or not, to recruit to LSU than it is to Notre Dame because they don't have all those academic restrictions and you got to be <laughs> Catholic and all this stuff that's in place. Yeah, They're going to pay him a ton of money. I think he looked at it and said, what, what, I've kind of reached this. Like, so what if we make the playoff? He knows they don't have a Georgia or an Alabama or an Ohio State level roster. And I don't think that you can ever have one at Notre Dame like that because they don't consistently recruit. They recruit in the top 15. There's a right. difference between doing that and recruiting in the top five. Dude, big difference, man. Big difference. And so I think Brian Kelly saw that and, and he bounced. And then today, you know, there's a lot of this on there. I saw one where he met with the Irish this morning at 7 a.m., spoke for less than two minutes, and then left without answering any questions. And I just thought, why is it that we expect so much from people that have these types of jobs, but that if you had a job and you had a company, whatever it is that you do, and you had a competing company come to you and offer you more money in a job that you've always wanted to maybe look at, would you then walk around your office and be like, hey, by the way, I've been talking with this other company and I think I'm really interested in it. And I just want to let you guys know in case it happens. No, I don't think so. I, I think the, uh, I think the deal with these coaches is we all know, well, here's a, here's the issue to me. And I, it's, it's changed some, so I get that. But the issue is for, for decades, coaches, pick a coach, any coach, it doesn't matter. Hey, Matt, Hey, Jacques, come play for me. Come, yeah. uh, you know, come, come build a winner, come build a winner, be loyal to the program. And then I leave while we're competing for a national championship. Okay. And I get that. You wanted to better yourself. But for how many years, Matt, have, hey, Coach Kelly, uh, you know, I think I'm a good player, but, you know, Matt's a little better than me and I'm not getting any playing time. I'd like to go transfer to uh, Ohio State. Oh, hell no. No, son. Why are you quitting? Yeah. Why are you running out? And so I think that's it. Like, these coaches – are such fucking hypocrites that they sit up there and beg you to come and then when you decide hey, I don't want to play here for whatever reason man it could be I don't want to compete here it could be I got two All-Americans in front of me it could be I miss my girlfriend it doesn't matter what the reason is man every other student can go whenever they feel like it and uh, you know they've blocked them for years and then they say well you want to go to Ohio State okay you can transfer anywhere but there or you can transfer to podunk you and any version of podunk you but you can't transfer to a normal school and we haven't even talked about the time where the coaches go oh hey matt um i need your roster spot because taylor's really good and you're not so yeah no no scholars so coaches have fucked players for a thousand years which is why i love the transfer portal and i think that in general is why people get butthurt when coaches leave no, I agree. And that to me, and I agree with that part of it, because I've always thought that's ridiculous too. 
because you'll, you'll up and move in the middle of the night, essentially, but you'll <laughs> block kids from transferring where they want to go to better their careers and their lives, which is just asinine. And, and, and obviously, like you said, the transfer portal, obviously a lot different than it ever was previously, but I, I have no problem with this. It, it, it doesn't bother me. If that's what Lincoln Riley wants to do and Brian Kelly wants to do that, then more power to them. Knock yourselves out. Lincoln Riley is going to have success at USC. Brian Kelly at LSU, we'll see. The SEC West, as, as Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies are finding out, it's hard as hell, man. The Aggies, 10 years into this thing, the Aggies who had all this preseason hype coming in about being a potential playoff team just finished 2-4 and four in their own division. <laughs> because it's the hardest division in college football. I mean, on any given year, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin are going to thump you and go 10-2. and two. And then Mike Leach is going to show up in Mississippi State and pull the rug out from underneath you. And then LSU, who isn't even very good this year, is going to be like, no, nah, you're not coming in our place and beating us. That's a tough-ass division, even when the perception is some of the teams in that aren't, aren't very good. A&M's finding out, no, nah, that's not true. They, these teams are damn good. But I thought that was wild. You know, I think it's also wild. Sonny Dykes is another example. Sonny Dykes, I get SMU people being pissed, and then it's like, okay, well... It just so happens he went to TCU. Guess what? They're in a power five. TCU's going to pay him more, and he's got a chance to win a national title. It's not going to happen at SMU until they get changed or the 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 way the structure of how this is is different. And so now, right. guess what SMU just got? SMU just got a coach who, if he's successful, will be gone in three seasons. Brett Lashley, who's bounced around as an offensive coordinator, he was there at SMU. He spent some time at Auburn has spent the last two seasons as an offensive coordinator at Miami. This is his first head coaching gig. And if he is successful, he will use SMU as a stepping stone. And three years from now, he will be one of the hot commodity names when what other power programs fire their coaches and move on. Yeah. It's a cycle of what it is. I mean, if you are in a group of five, hell, Luke Fickle reports coming out tonight that Notre Dame has zeroed in on Luke Fickle, that he's their guy. And there's the belief that he would only ever leave Cincinnati for Notre Dame or Ohio State. I hate to tell you, I don't care if Cincinnati even goes to the Big 12. If Notre Dame comes calling you, you look at you Cincinnati and you go, peace. Well, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, it, it's, I mean, I, when I first heard that uh, Brian Kelly was leaving, I was like, oh, Luke Fickle's got to be the guy. For sure. Because one, he's, he, he does it the way you're supposed to do it. Number two, what does Notre Dame recruit? They recruit the Midwest. They recruit guys from St. Xavier, which is a Catholic school in Ohio, which is kind of like South Lake Carroll in terms of prominence and, and success. And so, I mean, he's the perfect fit for them. It, it makes sense. He'd fit in great there. He could recruit there. He could play yeah. the same style of football. He's playing in Tennessee. I mean, in Cincinnati there. Nothing changes. He's a clean-cut guy. He's not going to embarrass your program. I mean, he's basically he's the perfect fit for what they want to do and where he is in his career. Yeah, and this is, it's going to be wild to see how this all goes. You know, with these guys moving around and then the transfer portal where a guy like Spencer Rattler is going to be a hot commodity. And, and then, of course, Zach Evans, the five, former five-star TCU running back who's in the transfer portal. It, it, college football is just different, but it makes this, this time period of college football kind of at the end of the regular season and before you get into the bowls here, makes it really exciting as we see how this playoff works out. And, and I'll tell you this, it's simple. For those of you wondering about the playoff, if chalk wins, and that means the teams that are favored this week all win, right. then your playoff will be Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. Those will be your four playoff teams. Bama won't get in if chalk wins. 
But if Bama beats Georgia, they're both going to the playoff. If Michigan wins, they're in. And then it'll be interesting because I do think if Oklahoma State wins, they'll jump an undefeated Cincinnati into the playoffs. So there's a, there's a few different scenarios at play, but the easiest one to explain is if the favorites win, that it's those four. Which well, now. sounds cool, but let's be honest. Let's be honest. How many people are going to be stoked about watching Georgia, Cincinnati, and Michigan, Oklahoma State? And I, I guarantee you the, the TV execs are going to do everything in their power to make sure if, that, is that, if that's what happens, that Georgia, Michigan play for the national title. Yeah. Because can you, I mean, let's, I, I hate to offend you, Pokes. Let's be honest. On a national level, Georgia, Oklahoma State doesn't move the needle at all. Nope. I mean, I, I or Michigan, Oklahoma State. They right. are praying that there's a couple of upsets here so that somebody like a Notre Dame or an Alabama has an, a, a chance to kind of backdoor into this thing. We'll see how it goes, but I mean, this could be this could be interesting. This could be really interesting to close all this out. And then the other thing, just real quick, because I wanted to bring this up, I forgot to mention it to you earlier, but we have to mention this before we get into Ed Werder. The Texas Rangers have opened up, and apparently they're rich as shit. By the way, all of a sudden, they've been rich. I, I know, I know. The Texas Rangers have spent $561 million in free agency in the last four days. They spent $410 million in payroll the last four years. <laughs> but I'm telling you, what this, what this tells us is they were serious, one, when they said they were going to spend money this offseason, and two, they truly believed that their window was 2023 because this is the free agent class. This was the big one. It's not next year. And the Rangers knew, I think, we've got to get some cornerstone pieces in here with some veteran guys who have proven at the major league level to supplement what we have coming up in the next two seasons. But all of a sudden, man, that middle infield with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon at second base and, and shortstop, and then they'll probably kind of falefa us at third base. Josh Young's going to play some third base next year. You've got an opportunity with John Gray. He's not an ace but at least there's something there at the top of the rotation with Dane Dunning. You know, maybe Jack Leiter will be ready for the rotation. It, it, this is, the pieces are coming together for this team. They're not going to suck next year. I don't, they won't suck. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they won't suck. And uh, I, I saw Joey Gallo trending today because folks seem to think he's coming back to Texas in a trade. Um, you know, that'd God, be that'd be wild. Uh, because they say the way the 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 way the lineup would fit with these guys in it, he wouldn't be asked to carry, it. and so yeah. then he could fit in, strike out Homer, do his thing, hit seventh or second or you know however they do these analytical lineups these days, and that would be um, that would be enough. But <clears throat> you know I wouldn't um, you know I, I'm never going to say hey don't try to make your team better and sign a bunch of guys right um, you know the contracts are long and you hope those guys are good at the end of them. But I would say the team has been bad, relatively speaking, for so long lately that, you know, whatever we got to do to move the needle, uh, let's move the needle and let's go see some competitive baseball. How about this, man? Uh, Y'all ain't gave us a reason to talk about the Rangers in six months. So we appreciate a reason to talk about something other than the Cowboys uh, with it being the Rangers. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm really, really excited about what the Rangers are doing. And apparently they're not done. There's still some moves that they may make that are out there. Well, they still want to wow. be in on Clayton Kershaw. They've got the money. It's a top five market. These are billionaire owners. 
Yeah, I was going to say, like, if you want to bring in Clayton Kershaw and he's supposed to be your three and show everybody else how to win, there's nothing wrong with that. Man. Nothing wrong with that at all. So um, I, I, I'm excited about this is kind of like when they pulled off the Teixeira trade and you could see the pieces were in place. There's some pieces in this farm system that if they hit on them, they're not going to hit on all of them and you don't have to. Right. But if you hit on a couple of them and Jack Leiter, if he's the real deal, if he's like if their he's version sweet. of Walker Bueller, they got a yeah, thing coming. I was gonna say if he's supposed if he is what he's supposed to be. I'm excited, man. It's 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 fun when your team, you know, then you read all the articles and you see all the websites and it's the Texas Rangers are everywhere and all these baseball people are, oh, the Texas Rangers. I mean, hell yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's been about a decade since the Rangers were relevant. Now go win me a damn title. Yeah, baby. We do it every week and we do it now. And of course, it's not a short week. It's just a weird week because the Cowboys, instead of playing Sunday to Sunday, playing Thursday to Thursday, longtime NFL insider ESPN's own brought to you by Medea from scratch in their three wonderful Dallas Fort Worth area locations. Ed Werder joining us. And Ed, here we are. It's a weird one again. Because the Cowboys coming off a really heartbreaking loss, trying to fight their way back in against the Raiders, and now they're not going to have their coach. How, how is this going to operate on Thursday in your mind with Mike McCarthy out because of COVID? Well, first of all, it's been you know incredibly disruptive because they've had to do all their meetings virtually. They haven't the players haven't had any access to the weight room all week, uh, so it's unique from that point of view. And then. You know, while I think they're fortunate that they found out early enough in their preparation that they wouldn't have Mike McCarthy as their head coach, you know, we still don't know exactly how this whole thing is going to play out. Uh, you know, New Orleans went through this early in the year, and they lost two coaches like the day before the game when they thought, you know, they had prepared and, and developed a, a plan. Um, and then all of a sudden, these two guys who they expected to be involved in that plan and making up for the absence of other coaches, they weren't available, and so they had to make another plan. So that that could still happen to the Cowboys. Um, but I, I think they're fortunate that, you know, Kellen Moore has a great deal of autonomy in the offensive play calling. Uh, you know, I think there are things that, you know, Mike brings on game day um, that are unique to him in, the, in terms of going forward on fourth down, for example. He's one of the most aggressive coaches in the NFL in that regard. Uh, the times he chooses not to kick field goals, that, you know, so this – the game strategy could be different um, with Dan Quinn than it than it would be, the, and I, and I think they did the right thing making Dan Quinn the head coach because he was in this uh, capacity with the Atlanta Falcons for over five years and and did it as recently but as a, a year and a half ago. The thing that concerns me about Dan Quinn doing this is he's coming down from the press box where he likes to call defenses and he's calling defenses on the sideline. And he can't focus entirely on the defense and the adjustments during the course of the game. And he's doing it at a time when you're probably going to be going up against Taysom Hill, starting at quarterback, who's a unique athlete at that position. And you're doing it against Sean Payton, who probably substitutes and uses more personnel groupings than anybody in football. So I think from that standpoint, it could really hurt them defensively. I mean, I know Joe Witt has experience with both Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn, and he worked to call plays from up in the booth twice in the preseason. They should benefit from that experience, but I do think it's going to be detrimental defensively to the Cowboys uh, more than offensively, oddly, to not have Mike McCarthy at the game. Um, where do you sit on uh, how to fix the running game? Well, the, you know, some of the coaches that I've talked to, and 
have said that they're, they're more fearful of Tony Pollard than they are Ezekiel Elliott. That, you know, when you watch a tape, Elliott's not the same player right now that he was when the season began. Right. I mean, the last four games are his worst four games in terms of yardage gain for any four-game span in his entire career. And it's the second time this year that you can say that. He's had two four-game spans that are the worst of his career um, since he came in the league in 2016 and won two rushing titles. So I, I think most people believe that the problem is Elliott's not healthy. And as you guys know, I reported earlier in the week that there was going to be some consideration given to giving him a week off. Now, I still think that was a really good potential solution because you'd, you'd lose one game, but you might not lose anything, if you know what I mean. If Pollard's really a more effective player, as we've seen, right. then maybe you're really not losing anything, and you're giving Zeke two and a half weeks to get over the knee problem. Um, so if time would help him, I would think that would be a smart adjustment for them to make, try to prioritize you know, the end of the season, even though I recognize they need to win now. And I think a lot of the problems that they're having on offense are because they can't run the ball on the early downs like they were early in the year. And that's why they're not ultimately converting on third downs uh, later in series and having a hard time scoring points. Um, but I, I do think it's more – and then some of it probably is the offensive line. I mean, McCarthy's talked about continuity and he wants to play the best five, but they don't seem to know who the best five are based on what we saw the last time they played when they played – you know, they brought in two guys off the bench – lay out Collins and Connor Williams and put them out there for one series, which was the oddest thing I've ever seen uh, for a yeah. guy who emphasizes continuity on the offensive line. But I think the, I just think the main problem is that Ezekiel Elliott's not healthy, and I think they know that. They've managed – I mean, he's only had nine carries each of the last two games. So what's the big deal about giving him time off if the medical people say that's what he needs? When you look at this matchup going in with New Orleans, it's interesting because it sounds like Sean Payton is seriously considering Taysom Hill as quarterback and, and going away from Trevor Simeon in this game. They've lost four in a row yeah. coming in. They did not look good at all, but they didn't have all their weapons, kind of like the Cowboys in the Thursday night loss on Thanksgiving against the Bills. How do you see the Saints approaching this with what they're doing in their health? Well, I, I don't, you know, I, I think Sean is, you know, really confused about. Um, what what style of offense can they play that can help them win games? I mean, he obviously knew what it was when he had Drew Brees. And I think early in the season when he had Jameis Winston, he had a sense for what had to happen offensively. It's not happened with Trevor, Trevor Simeon. I mean, he's very limited in what he can do. And on top of that, he hasn't had Alvin Kamara. He hasn't had uh, Mark Ingram. They're not going to have Michael Thomas this year. And so there's just not a lot around him. And, you know, if a guy's got limitations and he's strictly a pocket passer and he can't create for himself like Simeon seems to be, then I think the solution is to get the unique athlete in Taysom Hill and kind of do what the Eagles do. You know, they, they run it 50 times, and the quarterback runs it 20 times. And I kind of think that if Taysom Hill is healthy enough to do that, that that's probably something uh, similar to what the Cowboys may see in this game on Thursday night. Uh, against the Saints. You won't see a lot of throwing. It'll be mostly trying to run the football against them and let Taysom Hill, who's a unique athlete at the position, take advantage uh, of the things he does well that are hard to defend against and harder to predict than what we've seen from Trevor Simeon. But it all depends on if he's healthy enough to do it. You get a sense uh, Demarcus Lawrence is definitely playing this week, and what do you think is a reasonable expectation? 
Yeah, it, it sounds like they are fully expecting him to play. I mean, I assume that they'll manage what they ask him to do. Um, this first game back, he hasn't played since week one. You know, foot, foot surgery, don't know what his conditioning level is going to be, but I would think they could get, you know, 30 snaps out of him. Um, and, and I think we tend to think about him as a great edge rusher, and he is a good edge rusher, but he's also a really good run defender, so I think he can help him in that regard too. And I think it'll become more difficult for teams to uh, figure out where Micah Parsons is going to be, you know, when the ball is snapped and whether he's a linebacker or he's a down lineman. I think they'll be able to fully use his versatility once they get uh, DeMarcus Lawrence back in the lineup this week and presumably next week get, you know, Randy Gregory back. When you, you look at the Amari Cooper situation, and, and I know on Wednesday it sounds like they're going to find out a lot more that, it, of course, if he doesn't practice on Wednesday, he, he likely doesn't play in the game. Do you sense a lot of frustration with Amari Cooper and, and having missed a couple of games and potentially a third because of COVID? Well, it's, it's kind of odd because, you know, the, the criticism of Amari Cooper uh, was always that, you know, he, he, he wasn't, didn't have enough dog in him, you know, like when, it, when there was a big matchup and if it was on the road, you know, he just didn't show up in the way that he did when it was an inferior opponent and he was playing at home. And he goes out this year and sort of changes that image, changes that perception. He, you know, he gets 100 yards in, in two road games this year. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear based on what Jerry Jones said uh, on the radio that it appears now he's one of only two unvaccinated players. And if, if he misses not just two games because of the tight schedule that they faced when – uh, when he tested positive, but now misses a third game. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially when they've lost three out of four and the offense is having, you know, is struggling. Uh, I don't know if the other players view it as a selfish act, um, but I certainly think people on the coaching staff, and it's pretty clear the owner looks at it that way. Um, and the owner is the one who decides at the end of the year whether, whether he's willing to pay Amari Cooper $20 million again. Well, I think the other thing is if if you get vaccinated, you're like, okay, I got it, and I'm I'm over it. But it seems like it's actually kicking his ass, and so it exacerbates the feelings amongst those who are like, dude, you, all you had to do is get the shot, and you'd have missed one game probably. You'd have been back, and now we really need you because you're such a big part of the team. Well, Jerry made it seem like he only he only tested positive when he did 48 hours before the Kansas City game because he was unvaccinated and he was being daily tested, that if he was detected positive at all, it probably wouldn't have happened when it did, and he would have at least played the Kansas City game. And you're right. Uh, I think almost every scientist says that, you know, if you're vaccinated, then the symptoms are tend to be more mild, and he's unvaccinated. And now, it's, you know, from what Mike McCarthy said, uh, he's not feeling very well, and even if he is able to play, it sounds like his conditioning level and, and his general sense of well-being are not going to be where you'd want it to be for him to be, you know, your number one or your number two receiver uh, on against the Saints. It sounds like he'd play a very limited role, and you just have to question how effective he'd be in that, you know, if he's limited to playing, you know, 20 snaps or something like that because he hasn't been on a practice field in two and a half weeks. What have you seen from Dak over the last month? Because in three of the last four games, he has not been what it takes. Obviously, and Jacques and I talked about this earlier, you go to that throw to Noah Brown on that third down at the end of the Raiders game, that's a throw that, that he makes, but in the last couple of weeks, he hasn't been making them. What have you seen from him? Well, 
I, I understand the criticism, and if you look at every throw, it's not perfect, and some of them are, you know, come at big moments. But uh, he didn't have either one of his best two receivers. He threw for 370 yards in the game, scored 33 points, and you know, basically carried the team into in overtime game against the Raiders. Uh, I think he's. When I talk to other coaches who have played against him or about to play against him. Um, they're, they, they still think he's playing at a really high level and think he's one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. Does he miss the throw here and there? Yeah, you know, they all do. Uh, I think the biggest change is that, you know, they don't have the zone read, um, you know, threat of him running for 15 or 20 yards on any given play, you know, like he did before he suffered the injury that put him out for the year last season. Uh, so I think that's the biggest change as a, as a quarterback. I mean, he goes in without CeeDee Lamb and without Amari Cooper, and he throws for 100 yards to two other receivers. And, like I said, scores 33 points, completes a pretty high percentage of his passes, throws for a lot of yards, throws for two touchdowns. And I mean, it wasn't perfect from start to finish. Really didn't do a lot on offense until the fourth quarter. And a lot of that, quite honestly, goes back to where we started, which is the run game's not effective. You know, this. what did they talk about when they were winning six straight games? All they talked about was, we can win however we want. Whatever you present, whatever you take away, we can win with the other thing. They can't win with the other thing right now. They can't win running the football right now, and they're not setting themselves up for success because they can't run the football on early downs. But I think Dak's playing really well. Now, take that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, people. <laughs> I don't think I said it quite like that. <laughs> no, that's, that's me getting hype crowd for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was going to ask, when, when you look around the NFC, the, because it's gotten quite interesting, I, really the entire NFL is, because there's only two teams, you know, the, the Cardinals continue to stay at the top of the NFC, but when you look at this NFC, what we've seen recently, whether it's Dallas falling off or the Rams who, who have fallen off all of a sudden, who do you still look at and believe that it, it is going to be in this thing at the end of the year? Packers. I think the Packers, if they're not the best team, they're they're the the best team because of the home field advantage that they have. I've won like 10 straight you know, games at Lambeau Field. We all know what, what the weather's like up there. They have the ability with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones now back in the lineup uh, to run the ball uh, against you know weak teams like the Rams defense. Uh, we'll see what they can do against the Cardinals if it comes to that. But I think if, you, if you're talking about having a great quarterback, having two good running backs, uh, having a huge home field advantage because of the weather, um, and a defense that seems to be improving, then I think the Packers after the Cardinals uh, are the team that everybody has to watch for. Uh, they have a great receiver. Uh, if you know, I don't know what, what the situation is with Jair Alexander, the corner, whether they're going to get him back, um, uh, or Zadarius uh, Smith, their best pass rusher, at what point they might get him back. But they're kind of like the Cowboys on defense in terms of they have reason to believe that if they could get a couple people healthy, that those are going to be their really – you know, big performers in the postseason. They play key positions at corner and pass rusher, um, and that they're going to improve going forward. You know, but I mean, Aaron, anytime they have Aaron Rodgers and they're playing at Lambeau Field, they're going to be tough to beat. All right. I guess that's it. Nothing else from Jacques? <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think Ed's carried it. I mean, I mean, the 30s games got me out of whack, man. I'm ready to see how. I think it's a, uh, well, I will say this. I, like, I don't call anything must win. You're still in control of your division. Do you think, um, and we were, we were talking about this a little bit earlier with uh, Todd Archer, 
do you think that there's anybody, any way Washington or Philadelphia poses a real threat? And my thought was no, unless the Cowboys just don't take care of business. Right, right. But I mean, we're talking about this insurmountable lead they seemingly had, given how well they were playing and how poorly everybody else in the division was doing early on and even to the middle of the season. But now you're in a position where Washington's been winning, Dallas has been losing. In two weeks when they play, Washington could be playing Dallas to tie for first place in the division. I mean, Dallas has dominated the NFC East, you know, since Dak's been here. And so I I think they'll win those games. I think think the rest of the teams are not simply as good as Dallas, no matter what they're doing, you know, no matter what the standings reflect now because they haven't really played a lot of division games. Uh, But I think Dallas is really fortunate for the fact that, you know, the way they finish – uh, the season against uh, the division, uh, they've, they've just dominated to the extent that I wouldn't expect anything differently. I would think, you know, they, they scored, what, 40 points against both the Giants and the Eagles already this year. Um, but Washington's playing better on defense. You know, Heineke's won some games against uh, quarterbacks. You wouldn't expect him to be able to, you know, uh, win a matchup against, whether it was, uh, you know, Tom Brady or, um, you know, Matthew Stafford or Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they've been able to win some of those games. I still think Dallas is going to win the division, but it's pretty clear if they lose on Thursday and Washington uh, beats the Raiders, then all of a sudden that game in two weeks in Washington is for first place in the division. That is that is crazy when you put it that way. That yeah, because I mean Washington's won three in a row, and they've as you said, Ed. I mean their defense, which was horrible earlier in the year, has finally started to come around a little bit and play a little bit more like that defense. I think everybody thought they had to start the the season. Right, but you know Dallas has done poorly against unfamiliar opponents. They're done now playing AFC teams unless they get to the Super Bowl, and all but one of their remaining games after Thursday night against the Saints is against an NFC East team. And since Dak became the starter, the Cowboys are twenty-one and six against division opponents. Pretty okay. solid, <laughs> you know. There's hope. I must say so. If I must say so myself. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. We'll we'll see how it plays out. All right, Edwarder, as always, man, we appreciate the time. Thanks for the conversation. Good to talk to you guys. Thanks again. All right, talk to you soon, All right, brother. All right, man. There he is. That's Edwarder, as always, brought to you by Medea from Scratch. You got a holiday party coming up? You looking for a place? Check out Medea from Scratch. They've got three Dallas area locations: Flower Mound, Grapevine, and in Plano at Medea from Scratch. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy. Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.